Hey guys, how we doing? Welcome to the show. Hello, hello, hello. Today we're talking about how to use a leash in dog training. Okay, some people call it a lead, some people call it a leash. Whatever you want to call it, it is the the item or the tool that connects you to your dog. It is your lifeline, if you will. If you have a dog that is super excited all over the place, pulls, drags, stops doing what they're doing, reacts to other things, it is your lifeline. So, why do we need to talk about how to use a leash? Don't you just clip your dog to it and that's kind of the end of it? Yes and no. Okay. You can use a leash as any other standard tool, right? You use it when you use it and you completely ignore it any other time, right? But there are some things that you should kind of consider when you're using a leash with your dog, especially if you have goals of having an off-leash dog, which my feeling, my personal opinion, my professional opinion, if you will, is to always train a dog to the level of being off-leash, because at some point, some way, somehow, that dog might get off-leash, and if they are accustomed to having a leash on, and now they think they have all this freedom, they're not going to listen, okay? And this is one of the problems I have with people who rely so heavily on a leash to teach a dog something, but we're going to get into that as we go. Okay, I want to take a moment and thank everybody who's been listening. You know I appreciate you. You know that I love you. Share it with everybody that you know. If you're not on our social media, please follow us on social media, and let's jump into this, shall we? So the first thing I want to talk about is your choice of leash. Okay, you might not think that there's different types of leashes, or maybe you're very limited on the fact that there are, but I want to go over a couple. First, you have the standard six-foot leash. Okay, this is the the one that you're going to get in the store. This is the one they probably gave you when you adopted your dog if they gave you a, a kit to take home with you. It's very, very standard. It could be nylon, it could be leather, it could be fabric, whatever it is, it's a six-foot leash. This is your standard version. This is what most of you are going to use, and that's totally fine. This is what I used for years. However, it's not my favorite. My favorite is, to be precise, a 38-inch leash. Okay, now this is a waist leash, and the reason I like it is because it's shorter. It's under four feet. My dog is literally right next to me, and the room for them getting ahead of me or staying behind or move off to the side, the distance is so short that I can reward them for staying with me closer than if they were just at six feet. Now, yes, you can still mark and reward for your dog being with you and paying attention closer to you with a six-foot leash, But because they're so close, the leash gets tangled in their paws, and I have to hold it up higher, or maybe I have to drape it around my neck. It's just, it, it's so much more of a hassle, in my opinion, than to just have a 38-inch leash, okay? And if I have a 38-inch leash, when I take my dog off, I can wrap it around my waist. I can actually clip the handle and the clasp together, and I make a little bit of a belt for myself. Sometimes I'll even use both, so I'll have a six-foot leash on the dog, depending on what I'm doing, and then I'll still have a 38-inch leash, or a, we'll say a four-foot leash, a four-foot leash around my waist. I know it's not four feet. I know 38 inches is not four feet. Is it? No, it's not. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) That would be 48 inches, Um, right? Yeah, yeah, 24 plus times two is 48. Okay, okay, now that we got the math out of the way... (laughs) I always somehow get math into my episodes. If anyone, if anyone's keeping tab, I'm pretty sure every single episode has some terms of math in it. Anyway, anyway, 
moving on. I'll have the six foot leash connected to my dog, and then I'll have the forty eight inch leash or the thirty eight inch leash. Oh my goodness, the thirty eight inch leash wrapped around my waist, in the event that the six foot leash breaks. Now I have never had one of my leashes break, but I know that it's a possibility. I've had too many dog owners tell me that the leash broke and their dog got away, and that's why they need to work on recall. Or I've heard horror stories of dogs getting off leash and they run across the highway and end up in the the middle grassy area. I, I just can't have that happen to my dogs. Of course, my dogs are trained off leash. However, if I was working on leash, I want to make sure that the leash is going to stay put. Okay, And there is something to be said about teaching your dog to be off leash that keeps the wear and tear of a leash minimal. Think about it. Right? If my dog is next to me and I have a nice sturdy leash and every single time they react or freak out, they lunge and they get to the end of the six feet and then they get whipped back and, and they snap their neck and not actually snap their neck, but you know, they get whiplash. They're putting so much pressure and tension on that leash. So if we could teach them that the leash doesn't matter, it's just going to get dragged on the floor. Sure, it's going to get wear and tear from the floor, but it's not going to get wear and tear in the way that it matters that our dog's pulling. Okay, so that's the six foot, that's your, your waist lead or your 38 lead or your four foot lead. Then you have a long leash, okay, and this comes into different lengths. Completely customizable if you just get rope, tie it to a carabiner and then put that on your dog, a locking carabiner, of course. But you could have 10 foot, you could have 15, 20, 30, 50, 100, okay? I don't really think going above 100 feet is necessary unless you're really doing something particular. But a long leash or a long line is not a retractable leash. This is imperative that I make a point about it. A long leash is not a retractable leash. If you are using a retractable leash, there is a very, very small, very, 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 very small scenario or set of scenarios where I think a retractable leash is necessary. It's it's so small. That unless you were to contact me and say, hey, should I use this? I would ask you a slew of questions to make sure that a retractable leash is is suitable for your scenario. Now, why is that? If I were to say, okay, yeah, use a retractable leash, there's some problems with it. Number one, it's constantly pulling on your dog. Number two, your dog's getting constantly rewarded for pulling. Number three, usually those cables aren't reliable. And if they get wrapped around your paw, the dog's paw, it could easily cut them. Number four, the retractable leash very quickly breaks. Number five, they don't lock all the time, especially if your dog is a puller randomly, right? So they're doing totally fine. They're living their best life, and then they react, and they snap the end of the line that is connected to this very flimsy housing of plastic. I just don't trust them. I've used them before. I just don't trust them. They do not feel comfortable on my hand. They're very awkward to hold. They're clumsy. And I don't understand the people who use a, a flexi leash or a retractable leash with two clips for two dogs. That is absurd to me. You've heard my spiel about retractable leashes. Now let's get back to long leashes. So you have a couple of different reasons as to why you'd use a long leash. My favorite though is to teach a dog how to be off leash, right? If we can always get a dog to be off leash, then we don't need to use the leash in the first place. But a long leash is a great way to keep your dog accountable and successful throughout the entire training process. (laughs) 
Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. The sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. What do I mean by accountable? I mean, if you're working on a recall and you're pushing the envelope here, right? Your dog was successful. You're like, okay, let's take the next step further. And you call them and they don't respond. Now what happens? Right? You could have the option of just saying, okay, well, they didn't do it and that's my fault. Right, and I'm going to set up a better training scenario. Great. I think that's perfect. The other side is, well, I need to keep my dog accountable to some extent. I need them to know that if I call them and they didn't listen, I still want them to do the behavior. They're not going to get rewarded for it right? because they didn't do it to the criteria that I wanted. But when I say something, I need them to respond in some kind of way. Sometimes it can even help to guide them a little bit with the leash, and they'll go, ooh, okay, I do have to respond, and they'll turn around and they'll run faster. But in that case, I still wouldn't reward, okay, because I don't want my dog thinking that they don't have to listen until the leash is there, right, until I pull on the leash a little bit and get them to come over to me, and then they'll get a reward either way. That's not how it works. If I call you, you get a reward. If I don't call you, you don't get a reward, right, maybe get a reward randomly, but if I call you, you get a reward. If I call you and you don't respond, you're not getting a reward. Now, if this is the first podcast you're listening to about Matador Canine and our philosophy here and how we train dogs, you know, or you might not know, training your dog in this scenario is not teaching your dog a recall. Whoa, what? What? Training your dog in this scenario is not a teaching the recall. Teaching the recall is when I say the word come or here, my dog goes from point A to point B. Training the recall is adding in the distance and the distractions and the duration and keeping them accountable and working on the reward schedules, right? So in this phase of what I'm talking about with the long leash and keeping them accountable, this is the training aspect. This is where I can stop rewarding them for not responding and reward them for responding better. But when you're teaching, we would do something else. So go back, listen to our other podcasts about teaching, training, and proofing, and testing, and all the good stuff. But if you're confused about what I was just talking about and why I would keep a dog accountable when they don't understand what I'm talking about and I'm rewarding them and all this, that, and the third, it's because we are in the training phase, not the teaching phase anymore. Our dog knows the behavior. We know they know the behavior. We're just now adding in these other variables. If our dog knows the behavior and they simply ignored it or they're not doing it or they're heavily distracted, there's other things that we need to do to keep them accountable and keep them in the successful loop, right? Once our dog starts to fail too often, they're not going to want to keep playing the game with us. We want them playing the game with us. We want them engaged with us. Okay, so if we're at 50 feet and I recall my dog and they don't do anything, okay, well, I got to get them to come closer anyway. So I'm going to reel in the leash a little bit, just a little bit. And they might run all the way to you. That's great. You could praise them, but you're not going to give them their favorite reinforcer, whatever their high value reward is. You're not going to give them that. 
You're then going to set it up again, and instead of 50 feet, you're going to go 40 feet. Or you can go really conservative and say, okay, I'm going to practice at 10 feet and build my way back up to 50 feet. Clearly, there's something different in the environment that I'm not perceiving, but my dog is. And although they were responding great at 50 feet, they're no longer doing it. Maybe my session is too long. Maybe they're smelling something over there. Maybe they couldn't hear me because of the wind. You know, Whatever it may be, any slew of reasons, we have to rule out Is it the dog's fault? Is it my fault? Is it something I cannot control? Or am I just making excuses? Right? And we have a podcast about the satir modes, which go over basically what I just said. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about leashes. And I always go on a tangent. You guys got to stop me from going on tangents. (laughs) This This is why I can't do live events. I would just keep going and going and going. And maybe that's what people want. I don't know. If you would like to have me do a live event, please let me know on our social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Just comment or you can message me and say, hey, I would really love a live event about this topic. Maybe I'll do you know a half-hour event or something trying to talk about one topic and, and finding my way talking about everything else in the world. Anyway, so you have the long line. You could have a 100-feet leash. You could have a 30-foot leash. You could have a 15-foot leash. I would say if you're using the leash in an environment that is close quarters, tight, let's say you're doing search and rescue, let's say you're going for a hike, I would use a 15-foot leash. Really, your dog shouldn't get that much further away from you, especially when you're not going to be able to see them. So if I'm in the woods, and let's say I'm looking for somebody doing search and rescue, and my dog can go out in front of me 15 feet, great. I'm just going to hold on to the leash. You could even use a 30-foot and just tie a knot at the 15-foot mark, and then you would coil up the rest of the leash. But the 15 feet lets me see the dog, gives the dog plenty of freedom. But if they get sidetracked, if they you know veer off to the left and go around a tree, I don't have to uncoil 100 feet. And if they go behind a brush or they go under something or they go into somewhere, I can get them a lot easier than trying to catch up to them 100 feet out. It just, the the distance is important because I give them the freedom, but I still have eyes on them that is very, very close, and I can reel them in in an emergency if I need to, okay? So then the 30-foot and the 100-foot and the 50-foot, those are really your open spaces, okay? This is why I like the 30-foot. The 30-foot leash is what I would recommend to anybody. If you're going to get a long leash and you could only get one, I'd get 30 feet. It's just, it's manageable. It's flexible. If you wanted to cut it in half and get two 15-foot leashes, you could do that. If you wanted to get a 100-foot leash and cut it into thirds, right? So where you have, mm, let's say, 70, 15, and 10. Or you could do 60, 15, and 25. Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. 25, 15, and 60. So you kind of have a variety there. Okay. So I would recommend the 30 foot leash. You have the flexibility. You have a very far distance. Really, unless you're doing far fetch work or retrieve, or you really want your dog to have a nice open space, further than 30 feet is pretty far for a dog and you being with them. Okay. Clearly, you would want to practice further than that, but at 30 feet, you're, you're pretty reliable. I really never let my dogs get further than 30 feet from me. If they do, I, I kind of reel them in. 
I'd prefer to have my dogs within 30 feet. It's just a personal preference. You can absolutely work with your dog further, and I encourage you to do so. But 30 feet is right, Mike. My recommendation. If you could only get one leash, that is. Okay. If you'd only get one, 30 feet is good. Now, moving on to the next leash, because I think we've talked about long leashes long enough. <laughs> moving on to the next leash is the traffic leash. Okay. The traffic leash is a very short, two feet or shorter, basically a, a large handle. Okay, it attaches to your dog, it hangs down, and it does not go past just below their elbow. Okay, if it's touching the floor, it's too low. And this is when your dog is in a neutral position. They can pick their head up, or they can put their head down, and it really shouldn't be touching the floor too much when they put their head slightly down. Okay, why would you use this? This is typically used for, now at least, it was, it's typically used for reactive dogs. You have a six-foot leash onto your dog for regular walking, and then when something happens, you have a two-foot leash. Some leashes even have a handle built into the six-foot leash. I do not like those. Reason being, it's not designed to have the handle there. It's designed to be a six-foot leash. They just throw the handle on because they think that's what people want, and it, 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 the stitching never looks right. If you have a good version, great. I applaud you. That's awesome. Some of those handles are even cushioned. I personally don't like them. I just it, it, there's something about the angle of the handle that's there that makes me think it's it's not as structurally sound as it should be. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe. Right? Who knows? I I've hold, I've held hundreds of leashes in my hand. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I need to hold a thousand leashes in my hand. But anyway, with a traffic leash you are as close as you could possibly get to your dog without holding their collar. And in some cases, I would recommend holding your dog's collar. Okay, if, if your dog's not listening at six feet, the next step would be to go to four feet. If your dog's not listening at four feet, the next step would be two feet. If your dog's not listening at two feet, grab their collar. Okay, grab their collar, sit with them, look them dead in the eye, and try to get their attention. Especially if they're reactive, especially if they're barking at other people and being overly, you know, whatever. Whatever their forte is, right? But the traffic leash used to be used for retrievers and hunting dogs, right? You'd have some way of holding on to your dog, especially during the training phase and the teaching phase, where they would be nice and solid, absolutely perfect. They would just sit there, you'd hold on to them, and then you would unclip it and let them go. It was just a way to keep them reliable. And of course, this goes back to using leashes to teach dogs things. So the dog was reliant on the leash, and when you unclipped them, they ran free. Right? And then they came back, and you put the leash back on. Do I use traffic leashes? Not usually. Not usually. I would opt for the four-foot leash. Again, my option, the, the equipment I'm grabbing for, if I could only have two, would be a 30-foot leash and a four-foot leash. It's just my preference. But the traffic leash, I don't see that much value in it. If you really need to get your dog's attention, grab their collar. If you are nervous about grabbing your dog's collar, then there, there's a whole other problem. you got to work on body handling and desensitization, and we'll talk about that in another episode. And the last form of a leash, last form, last possible form. You're probably thinking to yourself, okay, well, you, you, you kind of covered everything. What could be the, the next form? It would be off-leash. Off-leash is a type of leash. It's in the name, off-leash. <laughs> 
Was this a surprise? Did you not see this coming? Off-leash is always my goal with a dog. I kind of alluded to it earlier. If you can train your dog to be off-leash, then it doesn't matter what leash you have. The three that I just mentioned don't matter. Okay? Everyone wants to talk about the collar to use and the harness to use and the leash to use and this, that, and the thing. You, you get five reviews on any, or five stars on any leash or harness or collar or tool or whatever it is. And you can get bad reviews on those. But the fact of the matter is you have to train your dog as if the leash isn't there. We did a, po- a podcast a while ago, and I think it's called Drop the Leash. You guys should go listen to that. And it basically talks about just letting go of the leash. Let go of the idea that the leash means anything besides the lifeline between you and your dog if your dog loses focus. We talk about errorless learning. We talk about building engagement. Those are the kinds of things you should be focusing on, not necessarily the leash. If you're focused on the leash, your dog is so steadfast on doing whatever they're doing until they feel that leash, that you become irrelevant, completely irrelevant. I'll tell you a quick story. I was working with a dog. He was he was a, a black and white. I want to call him Oreo. I'm pretty sure that wasn't his name. I think it started with a D. We'll say Oreo for the sake of saving this, this dog's embarrassment because <laughs> the dog's listening to the podcast, of course. So the he was beautiful black and white, his name was Oreo for the terms of this podcast, and he was fairly large, okay? I'm going to say he was supposed to be between 50 to 60 pounds, and he was probably upwards of 85, 90 pounds. He was large, and we were trying to do some exercise with him. And the problem was the owner couldn't take him for a walk because he would just stop walking, or he would bark at every single person and dog that he saw. So we start trying to build engagement, Right, And my first thought is, oh, well, he probably likes food, although he's probably just not hungry. Okay, So I asked her to reduce the amount of food that she's giving Oreo by 10%, which I tell everybody to do when you're starting a training plan. Reduce it by 10%. Okay, This way your dog is slightly hungry. Or use breakfast and dinner. Right? That's the other recommendation. If you're not going to use breakfast and dinner, at least reduce it 10%. If you are going to use breakfast and dinner, great, use breakfast and dinner. But she wasn't going to do it. She was like, I don't have the time for this. That's why... I hired you. I was like, okay, cool. Just do me the favor. Cut down the food intake by 10%. Cool. Got it. No problem. A couple sessions go by. We're starting to get a little bit of engagement. But the second anything happened, I mean, you could be in a quiet room, nothing going on. Smells were still interesting, but nothing going on. Starts picking his head up and marking a reward. Didn't really care about the treats. We tried a whole bunch of different ones from uh, soft palatable to you know, hard stuff. It was everything that she brought in to me. Unfortunately, I wasn't allowed to use where the facility I was working at. We weren't allowed to bring treats in because we were supposed to get the people to buy the treats that were there. Anyway, so trying to get this dog to do something, trying to play with it, trying to get it to move around, nothing's happening. I find out five sessions in that they're still using a prong collar at home because she has to walk the dog and she has to get this dog moving. And the only way she can do that is with a prong collar. I said, okay. Well, as a facility, we don't use them. I don't use them. I know how to use them, but I don't use them. And so I'm like, okay, well, we got to figure something else out. The problem here was not only did the dog have no engagement or interest in the person walking, right? Zero. Zero engagement. It had learned that until there was pressure on the leash, it didn't have to listen. Didn't have to engaged, didn't have to try to find new ways of reinforcement, 
nothing. It was just going through life, waiting for somebody to tell it what to do, right? Think about a person that you know that is just kind of going through life. You know, they're, they're not really proactive in anything. They're not trying to find new hobbies or goals or meet people. They're just waiting for things to happen. Maybe they have a job that they semi-enjoy, but they're not really trying to progress in that job. They're not trying to get a promotion. They're just waiting for the boss to call them in one day and fire them. Like, they're just kind of... They're complacent. And that's what Oreo was. He was complacent. He was like, well, if you really wanted my attention, you would use the leash to get it. So I'm just going to exist and do what I want. And this went on for a while. Eventually, we were able to get his attention and get him interested in things. But it was very, very limited because he was so reliant on the leash. What we eventually did was took him off leash, let him explore, and we just marked and rewarded him for engaging with us. We, I mean, this took a long time. <laughs> and this is why I'm trying to prevent you from going through this struggle. He was so used to it that when we took him off, he was like, oh, cool, I can go do my own thing now. And there was no way to get it. He was, he was practically deaf. He wasn't. He was practically deaf, though. He hadn't made any associations to words, although the owner believed that he did. No associations to words. No interaction with people really mattered to him. He never played. He never played fetch. He never played with toys. He, you know, rarely ate out of somebody's hand. And this dog is eight, nine, ten years old in that range. So he's got ten years, let's say, of this bad habit, not needing to focus on anybody, doesn't care about playing or engagement. And he's so reliant on the leash that when you take him off leash, he's like, cool, I'm going to go do my own thing. So we just waited and waited and waited. And when he finally turned around, we'd mark a reward. Now, I'm saying mark and reward, and you're might thinking, oh, well, you mark with a clicker and you gave him a treat. No, I'm meaning I marked and I tossed a treat towards him to try to get the reward closer to him because he had, you know, gained some distance in a very enclosed space. I tried to get him interested in the treat by tossing it, make it more exciting. He would just kind of sniff it, lick it maybe. And we tried a whole bunch of treats. I don't tell you this to discourage you. I'm telling you this because there is things that happen that we don't realize are going to happen until you happen to go through the process. And because I've seen so many dogs, I've worked with so many dog owners, and you're only going to have one, two, maybe three dogs at a time, unless you're insane, you have five or six dogs at a time, but by all means, do you, right? So you're going you're gonna to take the information, and then you're going to use whatever you got. So if someone says, oh, use the leash to get your dog to do something, you're going to go, okay, well, a professional told me to use the leash to do that. So you're going to go do it. But in my brain, I'm like, okay, I've seen 20% of that maybe work with a dog. Very, very small, 20% maybe work with a dog. And even out of that 20%, let's say half of that is only going to happen during the teaching phase. And half of that was necessary. Listen to what I'm saying here. I'm saying 20% out of all the dogs I've seen, and I've seen thousands of dogs, I've worked with thousands of dogs, 20%, half of that, okay, 10%, or 50% of 20%, let's say it was 20 dogs, just to make it easy, 20 dogs, 10 dogs was just during the teaching phase, and half of that, so five dogs, it was necessary. And I'm putting quotes around necessary because I'm sure we could have found something out, out if 
we had the means to the dog to ourselves, right? If we maybe were doing a board and train or if it was our personal dog. And I'll leave you with this. A trainer had told me this many, many moons ago. If you have the skills, if you have the knowledge, you can train any dog to do anything. Okay? If you don't have the skills, if you don't have the knowledge, you are limited by that to what your dog can actually accomplish. So if you are frustrated, if you are angry, if you are upset, if you are just at your wit's end about trying to get your dog to do something and you just don't understand, it's simply because you lack the knowledge to be able to do it. And maybe you have a couple of pieces in your repertoire and you've tried those and you've just exhausted the means that of what you know. You just need somebody else to give you those extra 10 tips or those extra you know, five things that we could try that you just don't know about. Okay, if you don't know what you don't know, then you're limited by what you already know. Whoa, that was crazy. That was like uh, Uncle Iroh, if you've ever seen The Last Airbender. Right, you don't, if you don't know what you don't know, then you're limited by what you do know. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Please share it on social media, ask questions if you have them, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you think family or friends would benefit from what you heard today on Acknowledged Dogs, please share it with them. You can post it on Facebook. We are also on every social media platform, so make sure you tag us, Matador Canine. You can also head over to Matador Canine and schedule a free consultation to talk about coaching and reaching the goals with your dog and those problem behaviors. Reach the goals that you want and have the dog that always listens. Thank you.